This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. When did I first write this? About 1993. They want a a cashless society, a digital cashless society, one world currency, which has phenomenal implications for freedom. They want rid of cash. And when I said that, there was lots of cash in circulation. Now look at it. And you know, what was it this guy, Ted Ross, the head of the World Health Organization, a man I wouldn't trust to tell me the time in a room full of clocks, by the way. um, He said, don't touch cash. Use cards because the virus can pass on through cash. When this runs on they're going to be justifying a cashless society on the basis of that you can pass viruses on through it. They're going to be saying, we can't have this again. We, we, we can't have this happen again. So you're going to have more technological testing of people for whether they have a temperature and all this stuff. And the whole surveillance is going to move on. This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. Well, as always, I'm thankful that you joined us for this week's City Sites podcast. From time to time, of course, I do interviews uh, with people that I trust, people that I know have a good handle in the Word of God that really exemplify the Holy Spirit and the work that He is doing in His church today. Today, I just want to pause for a few minutes and talk to you about a conversation I had with a few folks here recently, because when we have such a pandemic as we are experiencing in the world, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories. Obviously, we have prophetic voices talking about how this is all a part of God's plan, and or they personalize prophecy for the day. And I'll share some of those thoughts with you in just a moment. But as I was talking with this group of folks about prophecy, I had said that, you know, over the years, I've listened to different prophets. In fact, the the question came to me, who do I follow prophetically? Who do I listen to? You know, I, I mentioned a few names that I thought were pretty interesting and had a following, you know, nationwide or globally. And one of those is the late David Wilkerson. I had always felt that David had a handle on scriptures, a good handle on exegeting what he was seeing from the Old Testament and how those Old Testament prophets fit into a modern world. There are others, of course, I would say that are solid and are biblical. But it made me stop to think that prophecy is about 30% of the scriptures. And I do not feel that we need to go anywhere other than the scriptures to get our prophetic word. I realize that God does speak to us individually about the word of knowledge. That's not prophecy. And I think we're confused about the word of knowledge coming to a specific personal life as a opposed to prophecy. This is what God said he's going to do. And I think the word of God, as it is written, tells us all we need to know. And the reason I feel that way is because there are so many people that are saying things that just are not true, and yet they pass it off as being a prophetic word. And I think that's dangerous, and I think that's irresponsible, because you always have to test any prophetic word to the scriptures, always. And if you can't find what the prophecy, the nature of the prophecy is about in the Word, then I would question it wholeheartedly. Let me give you an example. 
of what I feel the Holy Spirit is saying about 2020 and beyond. Number one, it is not just a new day. It is not just a new year. It is not only a new decade. I believe that we are crossing the threshold into an entire new era in Christendom. We are now being postured to enter into the inheritance of many amazing prophetic revelations that were revealed in the past, and those of us now pick up the promises, cross over into a new era of promise being fulfilled. Things like the billion soul harvest of youth. Things like stadiums being filled beginning in 2020 and beyond. Next, we are shifting into the time of the great harvest. It is no longer to be said three more months, four more months, three more years, four more years, 20 more years. No, we are crossing over from Revelation and what we are crossing over into is the beginning of the great harvest, the greatest harvest the world has ever seen thus far. 2020 is a time where God's going to deal with the landscape of the church. God told me in 2020, we're going to see him expedite prophecy, dreams, visions, what you've been believing God for the last several years that took so long. And it goes back to Samson. The church has started out with great strength, but we got into a place where we had broken our vows. So I call it the broken vows of the glory where God in 2020 is going to go back to a place, bring us back to a place where we're going to have true repentance. We're going to walk back into a place of true holiness, true repentance. We're going to get our attention back on God and get away from man. We can get a revival in this country. We can see this nation become one nation under God again. If you look at Daniel chapter 9 and you look at verse 2 and 3, you'll see a man of God. What was his first reaction? He set himself to pray and fast and get to work. That's what I feel about 2020. We've got to get to work. The Lord has given us a miracle. We're looking for a second one in Washington, aren't we? We're hoping that Morality and marriage and the unborn will be protected and break breakthroughs on every front. But I believe the Lord is signaling for his church not to rest in flattery or in false security, but to press in and to be vital in their prayer and in their power. Just as the Spirit of God spoke through Moses and so many leaders. And one day God said, I set before you now life and death choose life. That's what I feel about 2020. The Holy Spirit is saying, choose life. Take your stand, resist the enemy, and let's believe God for a mighty revival in the new year. Now I play these because these were prophecies given at the end of 2019 for the new year of 2020. You can see that so much of what is being said here is really you scratch your head saying, okay, uh, the stadiums are going to be hard to fill under coronavirus restrictions. And so many churches are quarantined and having more of a difficult time bringing the church together. However, during the coronavirus, it is admittedly a very prolific time on the internet for church services, Bible studies. We've begun to learn a new craft of using the internet for the purposes of spreading the gospel, all of which is so positive. 
However, I've seen so many of the prophecies that are being prophesied or marketed as prophecies are really good admonitions. We like to see the Lord bring revival. We like to see stadiums full. We like to see revival amongst youth. Absolutely. But prophetically, we have to be careful that we don't say, thus saith the Lord, on those things, because Scripture may tell us a different story. And as a reminder, as much as we want revival, we know that the scripture teaches us in the last days, there will come a great falling away and there will be deception and delusion everywhere. So we have to be careful that what kind of revival are we looking for? Are we looking for the revival of the reflection of our hearts to be in repentance and in submission and allowing our lives to reflect the scriptures as an altar to God in a way that says, God, this is about you, not us. May you have your way. That's the kind of revival I think that honors God. One of the things that we have failed to realize, and one fellow brought it up, that we need to get to work, we need to fast, we need to pray like Daniel did, and I believe chapter 9 was his reference. And how does that happen? How do we feel motivated to do that? I know in some cases, in some states, we are being restricted as the church to coming back together. So there is a, an obstacle that we have to overcome, and it's the authorities telling us we can't meet unless we meet in small groups of 10 people or less. And yet they're opening up malls and, and stores all across the land. And yet to the church they say, well, you can't sing and you can meet, but you can only meet in small groups of 10. And yet it sounds as if now there has been some pushback by the Catholic bishops, at least in our area of the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and some Lutheran synods are pushing back. They're saying to the authorities that, wait a minute, restricting us is unfair in lieu of what you're doing in the rest of society. I know a pastor from Chino Hills, California, Jack Hibbs, has gone on the internet and has talked about they are going to open their church in Southern California on May 31st, Pentecost Sunday. And he also said that there will be 3,000 churches to join him. Here's a little clip from what he had to say. We have petitioned numerous times through legal avenues to get an answer from the governor's office as to when and how does the church meet. When do we get back at it in doing what God has called us to do? And with, with every one of those requests, there's been either ignorance or there's been push off of answering that question. But the question that I want to pose to you is this, how long do we go with this? Now, on one side, if you listen to the mainstream, this is not only a fatal and cataclysmic time and if we get together it's almost certain death or there's another group many of them scientists and physicians that are saying that this has been talked up tremendously and that this pandemic is something that is far less lethal than they previously told us regardless of what is left or right or dead center regarding these issues where does the church come in? And what do we do regarding our callings and regarding the institution of the church? The church transcends the governments of this world and the politics of this world because the church is a living, breathing, divine institution. We have to remember that no matter where we might live in the world under what government, 
those governments will eventually fail. The Bible makes it clear Jesus will come and establish his kingdom. During our time of being sequestered, uh, we've all done that for the common good and to protect the weak and those that are vulnerable. But that has come at a great cost. People are talking about what's the next wave of the coronavirus. Well, the next wave of the coronavirus is not a virus. The next wave of the coronavirus is economic implosion. And many experts are saying that the fallout of economic collapse, starvation, homelessness, not to mention the fact of severe depression, and God forbid, but the already increasing elements of suicide. Why is this happening? The church has been, in some respects, communally, that is locally, silent. Now, granted, all of us are reaching more people today than we ever have on the Internet. That's the mercy of God. But our local community has been spiritually starving. And Pastor Jack Hibbs continues to talk about opening his church on May 31st, which is Pentecost Sunday. Well, I thought Pastor Jack had some good things to say. I thought he had uh, insight into, yes, we are compliant to the initial shelter-at-home order by our governors, and of course, we were following the procedures by the CDC, and all of those things are fine. But as things begin to open up, the church should also have the opportunity to go back to normal and open up as well. If there is one thing any crisis era has taught us, it is to ask the right questions. I think the question that needs to be asked during this time of quarantine is, what is God saying? What is God saying? And I think the Word of God tells us clearly, at least an example from the story of Israel and the ups and downs of her relationship with God. And what did God do to get the people of God back on track? Oftentimes it was pandemic or pestilences, as the Bible says, that he would allow to happen to get people back on the uh, straight and narrow. So I'm asking the question, what are we learning? What have we learned from the coronavirus? Number one, I think, we need to be more sensitive to God's spirit and what he is saying and that the word of God tells us clearly what God has said in the past and how does it relate to us in the present. Is there a message of repentance, of restitution, of, of caring for things that we have allowed to go perhaps by the wayside? Does our message really reflect the God of the Bible? Is it a biblical message? Or are we basically telling people good things about God and yet never expecting any kind of reaction from them in terms of coming closer to God, coming to a point of of changing our lives and changing our thinking and changing our lifestyle and maybe coming to an altar of repentance from time to time to keep ourselves on that straight and narrow. Lessons that I think sometimes we in the modern world, because of our ability to provide for ourselves, that we have failed to see the sufficiency of an all-loving, all-knowing, all-forgiving, merciful God. So my challenge to you today is ask the right questions. What is God saying to you as an individual about this quarantine, about this virus, about what God is trying to communicate to his church or to the world? What exactly is he saying? And I think that we can find the answers, not in just speculation, not just in reading books or listening to the prophets or listening to sermons. I think God speaks to us in that still small voice. 
And that still small voice inside is part of the discipline we have in reading the scriptures and meditating on them and praying to God, asking for him to open our ears and our eyes to the things he wants us to see. I don't need to hear the latest revelation. I don't need to hear the latest sermon from the popular pastor down the street. I don't need to read the latest book. What I need is more of God. And more of God does not necessarily come from those things I mentioned. It comes from my personal desire, my personal pursuits of knowing and wanting to know God. That's where it comes from. King David was a great example of a screwed up life. And yet in his heart of hearts, he loved God and pursued God and repented when he failed and screwed things up. Well, we're no different than King David. We need to come to repentance. We need to come to an altar. We need to make our lives as an altar unto God to say to God, change me. Make me into the man or woman of God you have intended. And that does not come from other people. It comes from a relationship that you have personally with God himself through Jesus Christ, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, through the instruction of the word of God. That's revelation, friend. That is the instruction. That is for our moment today. In crisis, we have been given time to reflect and then to respond. Reflect and respond. I hope you'll do those two things today. In recent years, culture has become more influential than the church. Much of the influence is a direct attack on the Bible and the truth. City Sites Podcast is designed to bring a different point of view, and we hope you will continue to listen as we make our case. Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com. This is the City Sites Podcast Network.